This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. It's the Stinkin' Truth Podcast with Mark Schlereth. Hey, welcome in. Stinkin' Truth Podcast. Mark Schlereth alongside my co-host, Mike Evans. Scott DeHuff producing the show. Brought to you by MarksAllPros.com for uh, all your, for all any need, really. Anything you have that you want to get done, check it out. MarksAllPros.com. A great referral network. We're changing the way people think about referral networks. Check it out, MarksAllPros.com. Mike, how are you, buddy? I am good. I am yep. really good. And I'll tell you, I mean, c- consider me stunned. I mean, I can't believe it. Drew Brees not only coming back but playing for the Saints again? Mm. Gee, who could have called that one, huh? Yeah. Well, I mean, obviously. Remember there were actually people like a few weeks ago, oh, man, this could be the greatest free agent class of all time, Tom Brady, Drew Brees. Like, really, who thought Brees was going in? Well, we talked about it. Brees was not going to play anywhere but for the New Orleans Saints. And how about all those all those people that thought that, hey, Taysom Hill is going to transition? I know. Like, I've talked to Sean Payton about it. They love Taysom Hill. And, and you know, legitimately think that he's going to get an opportunity or that he deserves or he will at some point, you know, be ready to be a starting quarterback. I, I don't know. I don't know that, you know, it may be this year. It may be somebody gives him that opportunity. But he's in a pretty good spot right now being kind of the offensive weapon that he is. I mean, I've watched him line up at tailback, at fullback, at quarterback, at wide receiver, at tight end. I mean, this guy is all over the football field, personal protector, runs down on kickoff cover. He is a football player and a damn good one. And do I think that that guy could become a quarterback at some point? Yeah, absolutely. Do I think you lead a football team? No question about it. But the bottom line is he's not usurping Drew Brees if Drew Brees decides to come back because Drew Brees was, he was tremendous last year. And think about the last, what, five or six games of the season? You had talked about this earlier with me today. You just kind of threw it out there. But what did you say, like 15 touchdowns versus no interceptions? Yeah, his last, um, what was it, his last five games, maybe? Five games, he had 15 touchdowns, no picks in uh, 12 games. Remember, uh, he, uh, 11 games, excuse me, 11 games during the regular season because he was was injured with the thumb. In 11 games, he threw 27 touchdowns and four picks. Okay, but in the playoff game against the Vikings, just 208 yards passing, one touchdown, one pick. So yeah. wh- who is Drew Brees? Well, I mean, Drew Brees is the guy that that played all season long and put up tremendous numbers. Uh, Minnesota Vikings, tough matchup. I think Mike Zimmer does a great job um, with that defense in general. Um, and, and, you know, I mean, you're going to have a couple of those games where, where – you know, they pay those other guys on the other side of the field, and, and they're legit. I mean, they're all three levels of their defense. Their defensive line can flat rush the passer. They can stuff the run. Their linebackers with Kendricks and Barr, those guys can run and make plays. 
Their secondary is outstanding. Their safeties are great. I mean, I, I just think they're really – they're probably a vastly underrated defense. They're one of the better defenses in football. So, you know, I, I look at those things and think to myself that it's going to happen occasionally. I think we're just shocked. I think the other thing is um, – did the Saints have a bye? Did they come off a bye in the playoffs? Were they one of, or did they not have a bye? Um, I, I think it was. No, they they played right away. Did they play right away? Yeah, because then the Vikings win that game, and then they went to San Francisco. I think you're right. You are right. That was the first game. You're right. They didn't have a scratch. That there was no bye. Did they sit everybody for for the week before? I'm trying to come up with some excuse, some excuse. here. I'm hey, trying to make an excuse. Look, Bottom line is... You put up the kind of numbers that he put up. There's still plenty left in the tank there. Oh, yeah. And and Drew Brees is playing. And Drew Brees is playing. Like, he's playing great football. And when you think about their receiving core, they really have one guy. Right. Right? They have one guy that's their go-to guy. So, yeah, I, you know, I, I, I just... Uh, with him, with Sean Payton, with what they have... Um, I see another year or two where where Drew Brees is going to play at a very high level. Yeah, it's a shame the last couple of years in the playoffs, they have had, to me, one of the best teams, if not the best team going in. And, you know, they had the, what was it, the miracle in Minnesota, and then they had the, you know, the non-pass interference call against the Rams. Like, they should have gone, they should have gone to back-to-back Super Bowls. In in my mind, they should they should have represented the NFC. Well, and they can easily point to the Kyle Rudolph push off. Yeah, so, which got called in that game, but they didn't get called in the Super Bowl. Right. So anyhow, I you know Drew Brees is going to be fine. Drew Brees is is I mean he's tireless the way he works, um, and they give him space in the off season. They they just go, hey Drew, you come in when you need to come in, get what you need to get, so you can make that push. All right, who has more football left in the tank, Brees or Brady? Breeze. Yeah. I think. Yeah. I still think Brady I still think Brady is is very viable and and I still think that Brady is outstanding. I think some of the things on their offense broke down last year. Um there wasn't, you know, the weaponry, the consistency wasn't there for for Tom Brady, but I still think Tom Brady played really well. Okay, you said viable and outstanding. That those are two different words. Viable is hey, you can you can get you can get it done with him. Outstanding is Outstanding. That they're two different words. You can't I, blend them together. So what is he? He's a, is he outstanding out, or is he viable? No, he's he is still he is still an upper echelon quarterback. Okay. He's still playing at a high level. Um and, and again, like, you know, everybody wants to like it it's so amazing, like our desire to watch him fall. Yes. Like we have this insatiable yep. appetite to yep. watch this guy. Yep tumble like people we can't, can't wait to write him off oh yeah they, they cannot wait and i just refuse to do it because i think if you put him if you put him in a position where he has got legitimate weapons on the outside because this guy at 42 years old still throws the ball and i've said this and people like look at me like i'm crazy but i'm not he throws the ball with as much velocity at 42 as he did at 28 like his his work ethic and his regime um, and he's used Tom House, which, like, every quarterback in the league uses Tom House other than Aaron Rodgers. Every guy uses him, and it's about creating, you know, creating force. It's it's the, the ground force to rotational force 
to how it creates velocity coming out of your hand, right? And it's about your feet, and it's about the positioning of your body and using your body's mechanics to generate uh, velocity. There's no question that Tom Brady can still throw the ball like that. Tom Brady has never, ever, you know, had to have the mobility to get rid of the ball in time. Here's the the one thing that I worry about with Tom Brady if he leaves New England, okay? And all of a sudden, you're asked to do things that you're not necessarily comfortable or you haven't done a lot of. And, and this goes back to Peyton Manning when Peyton Manning won a Super Bowl late in his career here in Denver with Gary Kubiak being the offensive coordinator. And all of a sudden, you're asking Peyton Manning to be under center 60% of the time. And it wasn't what Peyton Manning was good at. And he really – now, he was injured and he lost the velocity on his fastball. And 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 I think that was a big part of it. But he just wasn't comfortable in that. Um, I will tell you the other thing, and I had a long talk with, with a coach about this that was very familiar with the situation. Um, and part of, part of what made Peyton's system really good, if you will, is that – all of his hot routes, you know, we talk about hot routes. Like, mm-hmm. if they blitz from a certain position, um, you've got to throw hot off that off that particular blitzer, right? And w- one of the things, one of the brilliances of, of Peyton Manning and his offense that he was in, the structure that he was in, is this coach was telling me that all the hots are on the, on the potential side of the blitz. So... So everything you do is one side loaded. So you don't have to change your body, your mechanics to go to the opposite side. Whereas in a lot of offenses, if we get this, your hot's on the opposite, you know, your hot's on, you got to be aware. And there's some of that, some of that changeover. So, and it may not even be the, the opposite side, but it may be just in line with that type of thing. So. This is what one coach was telling me, and most of the hots are usually on the side of of the potential blitzer. But um, yeah, as I think about it, I don't even know that that really makes a lot of sense. All right, but, so everything. But, but the bottom line is, he was very comfortable with what he had, right. what he was doing, and all of a sudden he had a change over into something that he wasn't comfortable doing, and and he he hated it and he struggled with it. So something Brady would have to consider. So everything you say, he's still capable of doing. Mm-hmm. But everything that he still needs around him, does that exist in Oakland or Las Vegas with yeah. the Raiders? And this reported, hey, they're prepared to offer him a two-year, $60 million deal. So here's the deal with, with the Raiders. They have got a really good, like, physical, dominant line of scrimmage offensive line. That's a big help. Got one of the best offensive line coaches in football and Tom Cable, former University of Idaho teammate of mine. So Tommy does a great job with that, structuring the running game. So they have that. Um, they've got a tight end who's a young tight end who, you know, who's got a great story. Um, he really overcame drug addiction and got himself treatment through the NFL and and has become a star in Waller. He And a great kid and physically, I mean, six foot six, you know, is big, like probably 260. He's kind of Gronkowski-esque. He's an unbelievable athlete um, and a willing participant in the blocking game. Like, he is a legit player. They have Williams on the outside who was hurt a lot last year but should be a number two. They just have to find themselves a real 
like they have to find themselves a couple of legit receivers. That's that's what that's what their offense is lacking. They thought they had it in Antonio Brown. They thought he was going to be their Z receiver and you know they were going to be a playoff bound team. And I think they could have been a playoff bound team. They still have to upgrade on the defensive side, but they did a great job through the draft and the defensive side. I, I just think they're a, they're a receiver or two away from really being a legit offense. Okay, all right. You're talking about personnel, but you also talked about with him the safety net that he has working with a guy like McDaniel's, right? Who he's worked with for for years. Uh-huh. How do you think? Let's just play this alternate universe game for the time being. How do you think a Tom Brady John Gruden relationship would work? Well. I think one it work it worked from just a pure coaching coach to player mm-hmm. aspect. Like Tom Brady's been coached hard his whole life, right? That's Bill Belichick. That's you know that's Josh McDaniels. Like he he slides right in and gets coached hard by John Gruden. Like that's how John. Like I love going to Raider practices because John Gruden is brutal. Like, he is just in guys' butts. You know, he is, I mean, he is, you know, and he'll praise you and he'll he'll get excited about a route or whatever. But if you screw something up, man, he is, it's like old, it's old school football. Like, I, I loved, I went to practice in London and just sat out there on a drizzly London day watching John Gruden just grind on a Friday practice, right? And it was intense and it was fast-paced and, and John was ripping dudes. It was fun. You know, I, I thought it was great. They went out and played their asses off, too. Just absolutely physically manhandled oh, the Chicago yeah, Bears. Oh, right. I remember that game. Um, yes. But I think I think that – I think there's enough mutual respect there between Brady and between Gruden, and they've known each other through, you know, Gruden's time on Monday Night Football. Uh, I think there'll be – there would be great mutual respect. And I think the other thing about Tom Brady is – I think Tom Brady likes to be coached. Like I think he enjoys that. You know, I, I just think he's a guy that wants to be better, that wants to get coached. I think that's what he does. So, like I, I would see that as a really, I, I'd see that as a really good fit. It's just a matter of, you know, matter of understanding and learning offensively what they, you know, what they want to do, what they want to do, and and you know, melding those two things together. I and I and, and listen, John is. John's got his system, but you know it. It's you can easily manipulate that system. So as we get set for free agency, and all eyes are going to be on Brady, what he does. But there, there are a lot of little moves that go on beneath the surface, and and we've already seen one, and we're likely to see another. How much do you think teams do or should place an emphasis on? looking for guys in free agency that not only do we want to play, but we're looking for a leader. We're looking for a mentor. And I, I bring up two examples. One, Greg Olson, yeah, leaving Carolina, now going on to Seattle, a one-year deal. And Jason Witten saying, hey, I still want to play. I still have the fire. And it may not be in Dallas. It might be somewhere else. I mean, do, do, am, am I overrating the idea of, hey, you know, maybe these guys don't, have as much left in the tank as players, but boy, they make up for whatever they've lost with their ability to lead mm-hmm. and and maybe mentor yeah. 
other younger guys on, on, especially on the offensive side of the ball. I don't think there's any question the value, the value that you place on guys like that. What they have, um, you know, whatever they have left to to produce on the football field is what it is. I mean, Jason Witten isn't going to outrun anybody, but he always seems to find a way to be open, right? And it's the tricks of the trade. It's the understand. It's the nuance of football that I think becomes so vital and so important. And passing that nuance down to the next generation, um, especially in a day and age where you don't really get a practice. So you don't, over time, you don't really get to develop some of that nuance. So I think one of the things about being a player is oftentimes coaches tell you whatever it is they want you to do, and they explain it in a way that sometimes it doesn't necessarily resonate or it doesn't really sink in. And then a player will come up to you and say, okay, here's here's really what he's saying. Like, think about it like this. And then it's like, oh, okay, that makes sense. Right. Because let's face it, there's a lot of coaches that never played at this level. There's a lot of coaches that are coaching, and they're good. I'm not saying they're bad coaches. I'm just saying they don't know how to necessarily kind of give you the nuance of what you need as a player. <clears throat> so to me, I think you get a Jason Witten or you get a, you know, you get a Greg Olson in a young tight end room with a with a quarterback, you know, whether he's a young quarterback or or whatever, I just think it opens up your mind a little bit, opens up it gives you a different perspective on routes, route combinations, how I want to run certain things, you know, how it is that I'm always open, how I use leverage. Um and and I think all those things are imperative when it comes to when it comes to, you know, helping grow young guys up. And I think that's I think I think that would be Invaluable. I think it's going to be great for Seattle, and you know, if if Witten stays in Dallas or if he goes somewhere else, I think it'll, wherever he goes, he's going to be a, a huge asset, not only as a player but more importantly as kind of a mentor and and coach on the field. So uh, the the numbers are in. DeHuff just uh, handed this to me. The uh-huh. week two XFL ratings, right? Tell you what, I went into this a skeptic. I still remain skeptical, but not as much as I did when this thing first started. The the TV ratings for week two. We knew there'd be a drop. Right. But it's not like they dropped through the, the, the bottom. Right. Um, you know, you still had games on ABC that uh, drew almost two and a half million. Sunday's game between the Renegades and the Wildcats uh, peaked at three and a half million. And how about some of the local ratings? Um, the St. Louis game in St. Louis put up a six. Really? Which was double the ratings of a St. Louis Blues game that was on at the same time. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the team that won the Stanley mm-hmm. Cup yeah, last, last year. year. Right. In a, a pretty well-established hockey market. And the St. Louis Battlehawks did double. That's it. That's actually really impressive, especially in that market. And you start thinking about, like, what's the average NBA game? Like, oh. the NBA, 27, 27 to 30 markets, NBA local ratings are down. Oh, you're, you're, you, love, you love this story. Go ahead. Oh, yeah. 27 to 30 markets, the NBA local ratings yep. are down. ESPN, I think they reported they're down 13%. TNT was like 14%, and I think TBS was down 16%. Something like, 
Uh, I may have those backwards or whatever, but th- those were the percentages that they are down nationally. Like, where is all the chicken little sky is falling? Like, when the NBA, or excuse me, when the NFL's ratings were down 7%, you know, you had Mark Cuban coming out, pigs get fat and hogs get slaughtered, the bubble's about to burst on the NFL, blah, 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 blah. Meanwhile, your local ratings are garbage. Your national ratings are garbage. Your, your, man, NBA basketball games, playoff games don't outrate the XFL. You're pulling one and a halfs nationally. You know what? Maybe I don't know what the NBA finals were, but I can't imagine them being bigger than threes or fours. Maybe I mean maybe they were. I don't know. Well, maybe the finals, but right. I mean the 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 games along the way. You know, a second round matchup between Portland and Denver. You know, that's getting outdrawn by. They're getting one the XFL. Yeah, I mean it's. Uh, it's the, it talks about the insatiable appetite that people have for football, and I'm telling and you, and also the power of big time TV. You power, know, when you right. you know when you're putting the 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 networks behind this, it's got a chance, right? But if you put that if you put in that same time slot an NBA game, mm-hmm. you think it won't, it won't do as well? It won't do as well. Then XFL football, and I'm telling you what. Then think about this, and, and this is where it's got to go, in my mind. If you start affiliating NFL teams with the XFL teams, and let's say that we as Denver Bronco fans, we put all our young players, like four or five of them, we placed them on, what's the team in Dallas? Is it the Renegades in Dallas? We put them on the Renegades. And now we've got a vested interest in watching the Renegades because our young players are playing there. Like I, like I think that's the next level as almost a developmental league, especially for offensive linemen, quarterbacks. You know, you start using it that way, and you get some exemptions, and, and you know the NFL partners with the XFL a little bit. One thing about this XFL is it, it they're trying to be real football. Like what you see is is you know things that mimic what you see on Sunday from an X's and O's standpoint, formationally, and all that stuff. And then, you know, there's some cool new rules to all that. And I think that those are all good things, Mike. But the bottom line is it's real football. You know, the first iteration of XFL football was, you know, was, hey, there's a rock concert with a football game in the background. It's not – this is – the football is is what sells it and, and the broadcast teams and what they're doing, like you said, with network television. Those are big. That's that's the big part of this thing, and I think they're doing it right, and and you know hopefully the NFL's taking notice. I believe they are. Well, I think what they're what they're doing that is smart is that they're they're realizing look it it can't be like the XFL. It can't be the idea can't be completely gimmicky because mm-hmm. you think about the leagues that that had a, a decent run. They they acknowledged that they weren't the NFL, but they were still trying to play real football. Right. I'm talking about. USFL back the USFL, right? And I'm talking about Europe. Yeah, um, you know, you were you were playing you were playing it straight back then, and those are the two only real examples you can come up with mm-hmm. where you had alternative to NFL football that that actually worked for a while yeah. by playing it straight with 
you know, some some changes and some yeah, and some uh, rules that, rules changes and, and, and some of those rules stuff, were yeah. adopted in the NFL yep. and you know and I think one of the things I've heard a lot of people talk about is the kickoff rule and yes they they like it right there's still the excitement of the kickoff um so I mean people people dig it I mean <laughs> USFL played for three uh, played for three seasons yeah I mean. It, Come on. Who doesn't remember the Philadelphia Stars back in the day? They sure. had Sam Mills, Jim Mora, Sr. was their coach. Uh, Calvin Bryant, a guy that I played with with Washington Redskins, was their running back. Calvin Br- Bryant, he had the giant pads. Remember how big his thigh pads He looked like the biggest back in the world. And then you actually met him, and he's about 190 pounds. <laughs> I was like, dude, how, how, how? He was all, it, was a, it was all pads. Yeah, like you guys, look like a big. You guys wore some big pads back then. Oh yeah, it was man, big, oh man, the big pads. pads. It was big, big. But pads. yeah, I remember it. Uh, I grew up uh, back east in the the Boston Breakers. Yes. <laughs> Marcus Dupree played for the Boston I Breakers, so. didn't he? Um, yes, he did. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, and then you had the. Uh, there was a team out here. What were they? The Denver Gold. The Denver Gold. And they drew well. Yeah. I mean, they drew there well. Was some, there so, was, it was fun, man. So, that yeah, was, but that's three years. So, I mean, I... The New Jersey Generals. The New Jersey Generals, that's right. Owned by... Owned by uh, Donald Trump. Donald Trump, that's right. So, yeah, so I, I think that... I think you're on to something, that the the best thing that this league is doing is that they're they're trying to sell you real football. Yeah, the LA Express. LA Express. They had Steve, Steve Young, Young. Gary Zimmerman. My buddy Mark Addix. Now, now, okay, but you're you're bringing up a good question here. Gary, the meat cleaver weaver. Jim Kelly played in the USFL. Yeah. yeah. Okay, then. It, it, could you see it, it, the USFL was was trying to be a direct competitor? competitor yes. That that's what makes well, this different. I think ultimately, right? what they yeah, ultimately what the USFL was going to try to do was to merge. Right. right. They wanted to get. They wanted to get, you know. Five they, or six of their but teams, but they got legitimate players. Like Herschel Walker. Oh yeah, they spent they spent a lot of they spent a lot of money. But they this made, is that's not going to happen with this league. No, this this league, no. And I, I which think, probably will ultimately hurt it, their chances of longevity, right? It will, unless, like I said, unless they develop some type of legitimate NFL connection as a developmental place, especially. You know, the investment, and think about it from the NFL's perspective, okay? The investment you're making in your quarterback alone, like the money that you've got tied up in that, why would you not want to take some of your young offensive linemen that don't get an opportunity to play in games and give them that experience, especially as you move forward? Why would you not want to try to develop some of those players? Not only the quarterbacks, for instance. I mean, think about NFL Europe. Kurt Warner came from there, won a Super Bowl. Went to the Hall of Fame. Um, Brad Johnson came from NFL Europe, won a Super yeah. Bowl. Yeah. Like, I think he it was, you know, I mean, with Tampa Bay Buccaneers, he wasn't the MVP. It was uh, the the defensive back but that won the MVP of that game. But bottom line to me is why would you not want to have a place where you can develop some young players and make your game that much better? I, I just think it's, I think it's inevitable. Hopefully it is. So kind of like week two. Good stuff, man. Good. The XFL, like it. I, I'm. I don't know about you, but I'm tuning in. I'm checking it out. I'm still dabbling. Yeah, I mean, I'm not like I'm not locked in. I mean, I'm my, still my, dabbling. I'm not locked in taking Let's notes. Let's just say I'm just. 
dipping my toe in the pool right now, okay? okay. All right, I'm not taking notes. I'm like, not... I'm not, you know, fully naked skinny dipping. Right, no. How's that for an image? That is... <laughs> right, that's disgusting. That's even, I think we'll just end on even that. Even for me, that's disgusting. Yeah, yeah, for everybody. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, anyhow, for everybody involved in the Stinky Truth Podcast, for Mike, myself, for Scott, we thank you so much for listening. Remember, check it out, MarksAllPros.com. That's MarksAllPros.com for all your referral needs. Check it out.